Welcome to Keep Purring, a Carolina Panthers podcast hosted by Ben Tucker and Eric Briggs, two lifelong Panthers fans from North Carolina. Whether you're a diehard fan or a casual observer, this is the Panthers podcast for you. Do us a favor, click on the link tree in our bio and give us a follow on Twitter, YouTube, and Instagram. Now, let's get to the episode. Welcome in to episode 20 of Keep Purring, a Carolina Panthers podcast. You can find us wherever you prefer to consume your podcasts, Spotify, Apple, you name it, or you can check us out on YouTube. It is Sunday night, December 3rd, and Eric, the Panthers are 1-11 and and have officially been eliminated from playoff contention. Uh, the Panthers, I don't know if you saw this stat, the Panthers are 1-50 and in their last 51 games when trailing after the third quarter. So we have that yep. badge of honor to wear as well, to be proud of. Um, you just finished watching the game. You told me right before we started recording. I finished watching it a couple hours ago, so it's more fresh in your mind. But yeah. what's your general mindset right now, having just finished watching it, like, what, 20 minutes ago? Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> um, you know, I feel like, this was a more cohesive game from us okay. um, than what I felt like we've been seeing before. Mm-hmm. Um, I f- feel like we actually took a couple of shots. Uh, there was like a fourth and six yeah. that we, you know, had a, had a, a great uh, fourth down on and um, were able to get a first down. So I, I don't know. I, I felt better ab- about it. I did notice that we we're still getting really, you know, right down to the end of the play clock. And, you know, that was kind of doing the, the nerves thing. Yeah. But it just became increasingly clear that regardless of who we have calling plays, regardless yeah. of what the scheme is or, or any of that, we just don't have the workhorses necessary to do this. Yeah, the personnel. And yeah. there were, you know, there were a couple of times, uh, at least one that I can remember specifically where, um, you know, I don't remember if it was Bryce got sacked or he scrambled or something like that. But the announcers were like, "Let's look at the uh, let's look at the coverage on this," and it was, <laughs> and he literally had nowhere to go. Like, you right. know, the defenders yeah. were in the back pockets of uh, the the wide receivers. Uh, you know, those pants don't even have back pockets, and they were close enough to to be in them. You know, like it was, <laughs> it, it, there there was Good zero point. separation. Where do you yeah. want him? Where do you want him to go with the ball? Um. He, I, it's almost like I feel like he's maximizing. Uh, Brian, speaking specifically of Bryce, I feel like he's kind of maximizing what's around him. But you know, in the <laughs> NFL, you can't just pull a rabbit out of a hat yeah. every single week, week in and week out. You need people around you to support you. And as yeah. I was walking, watching this game, it became increasingly obvious that no matter who's calling plays, no matter who's the coach, no matter who the coordinators are, the people on the field are not able to get to get it done. Yeah, it's interesting that you point that out because one of the first things that I had written down was, and I had, I wrote this down with the thought in mind of what exactly what you just described, which was that, you know, Frank Reich's gone now. Thomas Brown is at the helm on the offense, but um, the pass protection's still bad. The wide receivers are still, you know, lackluster. To, to say the least, um, the personnel is still the same. And yes. the and offense is... Personnel is worse. Uh, yeah. And 
you know, so the offense is still mostly awful. Uh, but to kind of put a positive spin on things, you know, you kind of mentioned it, like it felt a little more cohesive at times. Um, mm-hmm. I thought that there were some encouraging signs. Chuba Hubbard, again, had a yeah. great game. He looked fantastic. He looked really uh, What I liked, at least at the beginning of the game, starting out, I liked, and this did look different. This looked different. This looked different from when Frank Reich was calling plays. You saw Bryce under center more. You mm-hmm. saw more play action coming off of those uh, under center downhill running plays. Right. So you, you saw a little bit more pre-stat motion. So you got this pre-stat motion. You got the play action. You got the downhill run game, which is the strength of this offensive line. And um, it was looking sort of encouraging, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh they did it in the first quarter, uh, but then it was <laughs> – I don't know why we the Panthers have this trend of we do something – we have some semblance of success with something, and we, then mm-hmm. we just go away from it. We just completely go yeah. away from it because, like, we went away from it. We, we, we went back to – after the first quarter, it seemed like we went – we reverted back to that, let's put Bryce back in shotgun – 99% of the time and just mm-hmm. run our plays from there and the offense struggled. And it was so frustrating to watch because it's like, why are, why are we not doing what we were successful with right. at the beginning of the game? Um, we scored in the third quarter. I think we, we scored in the, in the fourth quarter. So there were some encouraging things. Uh, I thought that, you know, Bryce had his moments. It's the same, same thing, like same story. Like Bryce had his moments where he did some good things. He also had some, yep. you know, questionable decisions like the there was that one play that where he just kind of panicked, turned and just threw it to no one and he threw it backwards and it, yep. the ball thankfully the ball just went out of bounds because if yep. a defender could have picked that up and ran it they could have picked that up and ran it in for a touchdown. And yep. I was uh kind of I was on Twitter seeing kind of what people were saying about that particular play. A lot of people were upset at Bryce for, you know, making that decision. And I get that he, it was a, it was a bad decision. He, he was, he obviously panicked. He could have thrown it away, you know, further downfield. Um, But he was also under immense pressure. And if he would have held onto the ball, he would have gotten absolutely rocked. So I'm kind of glad he threw it away. Uh, but the, the commentator made this point, which I really, I agreed with. And it's, it's definitely a theme for this year, which was that, uh, the Panthers offense consistently has no answer for the blitz mm-hmm. there. Not only, not only can the offensive line not hold up against the blitz, but, but the play design, there's no answer for your rookie quarterback. There's nowhere for him to go with the ball. And on that particular play, it seemed like Bryce maybe thought that Miles Sanders was going to be out there in the flat, and that's why yeah. he kind of just chucked it over there. But the, but no one was there. Which well, again, I think that's he just that's... Yeah, yeah, I think he just I think he knew you know he knew that Miles Sanders was supposed to be over there, mm-hmm. right? And so I think that's all it was. Is he? We saw it a number of times today where he's throwing the ball away in a controlled manner you know, at the feet of people. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And I think that, I think he 
didn't expect the pass to be completed. He just wanted to go in the direction that he knew Miles Sanders should yeah, be. Just throw it away. Yeah. And then it but it just happened to he was doing his pirouette spin twist, whatever. Uh, mm-hmm. and it ended up just you know going back a yard or two or whatever it yeah. was. Um yeah, I agree. But, and you know, and, and so I thought there were some plays like that where it's like, oh man, like we gotta make a better decision than that. Yep. But I also like I kind of understand where his head might have been at with that. Mm-hmm. Um I think that um, I, I love that fourth quarter touchdown drive that we had. I thought that was mm-hmm. super impressive. I, I, it's funny because when we were down, uh, what was the score? I think we were down what, like 20, 21 to 10, maybe something mm-hmm. like that. Yeah, yep. 21 to 10. And I tweeted out, I was like, it's pretty sad when, you know, your team, the game is still within reach, but you have no hope that your team can score a mm-hmm. touchdown or two to come back. And then the very next drive, we go down and score a touchdown. Bryce has that. I love that little two-point conversion run where he, you know, trotted into Did the like a little zone. pirouette. A little yeah, pirouette. Little, you know, yeah. Yeah, like add a little sauce to it. And you could tell like mm-hmm. he was having fun for once. Like that yeah, was so like He's cool been to waiting see. to do that. He's been waiting to be able to do that. He probably practices that spin in the mirror every night. And he hasn't had a chance to do it yet. But no, that was that was really good to see. But I do I do just think, and this is something that the broadcasters pointed out too. Like I really just think Bryce is he's gotten to the point where he's a little bit gun shy. He's sped up. He's so like accustomed to either being hit or mm-hmm. being about being at a point where he's about to be hit that even when he has a clean pocket, he looks rushed. Mm-hmm. And that that sucks because that's not what we saw at Alabama. Like that's right. not the guy that we saw, and he has obviously been a little bit scarred from the things that have happened to him up to this point this season. And I just hope that he survives this season, not just physically but mentally, um, because I do think he has. He shows in every game. He has a few plays and moments where he shows that it factor and you're like okay like that's the Bryce that I've been looking to see Mm -hmm. um but we he just doesn't have the protection or the people or the receivers around him I saw at one point this was I I love this you remember Trey Boston played for Mm -hmm. the team pretty good player safety Mm -hmm. um I think he was on the Super Bowl team uh, so you know good player in Panthers history he said he tweeted at one point I like Bryce Young for real Buddy is cool, calm, and collected, even though every two plays he's running for his life. I don't think y'all get it. That is not easy, especially with his situation and circumstances. Mm-hmm. And that's, totally that's, right. that sums it up right there. Uh, yep. So, you know, I, I just is another kind of frustrating game, the ups and downs. Um, I thought that our defense, once again, once again, gave us a chance to win. Like they did enough. They did yep. enough to give us the opportunity to potentially win the game. But the thing that frustrates me with this team is the lack of the complimentary football. Like we finally go down, we score a touchdown on offense and we, we take the lead and we're like, Oh, like we're, we're winning in the third quarter. What's What is this? What's What am I watching? Mm-hmm. Very next possession for the Buccaneers. First play Mike, Mike Evans, what 75 yard touchdown. Something like that. So it's like the defense gave us a chance to win the game, 
But in moments where we really need them to step up, they weren't able to do it. And that's well, here's my gripe. Yeah, I totally agree. Um, but I have a, I have a, I have a gripe. Yeah. That when we needed Brian Burns the most, he had been ejected. Ugh. Yeah. Because that is the same undisciplined bullshit yeah. that we have seen now for weeks. Yeah. And it just can't happen. Like, you know, I've been saying since before the beginning of the season, we are not good enough to have stupid penalties. We're, we're just not. And we cannot. Yeah. The other team is already trying to beat us. We cannot try to beat ourselves. Right. And having your best player do something stupid, like mm. throw a punch in yeah. an inconsequential play. What the hell, man? And then we didn't have him going down the stretch. We didn't no. have him going to, towards the end of the game. I that that pissed me off to no other. Um and listen, I get it. I can't even imagine how frustrated they are, especially yeah. with what you just said, right? Like they are trying their damnedest to put our offense in a position to succeed and we yeah. cannot get out of our own way. Yeah. And it started to boil over. We saw it last week. Um with with some whatever it was like or maybe it was two weeks ago but like there was a late hit thing and we had you know i mean we like we had several there were several issues yeah yeah and 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 we're continuing to see them and that's just not something that we can do you can't do it um again we're not we're not the chiefs we can't overcome deficits i mean hell we were so close to eking this one out (laughs) you know like we actually could have you know we did we Went down the field, scored, got the conversion. We we're only down three. Defense did what they needed to do to, to stop it. We got the ball back and then shit the bed. So, yeah. uh, it's, man, it's so frustrating. But, you know, to see our, you know, our one of our top leaders on the team to lose his cool and do something stupid like that, it was, it, you know, it's just disappointing. I don't know yeah. what it's like to be them. I don't know what it's like to go out there and, you know, get injured the way that they do and, and everything it takes to do that. I, I, I don't I don't know exactly what that's like. But, damn, from the couch, it is so frustrating to see yeah. you throw a punch to somebody in a bleeping helmet. Like, what do you <laughs> actually think you're going to do to them? Other like, than hurt yourself. Hurt other your than hand. break your own fingers. <laughs> I like I just I don't I don't get yeah, it man. and it just frustrated the hell out of me. Yeah, man. It's it's super frustrating. And I I feel like that was you kind of mentioned it. I feel like that was, you know, a twelve games worth of pent up frustration, mm-hmm. not only with us losing, but you gotta think with like in the back of his mind, the whole contract situation. And like if I'm Brian Burns, I'm there may not be a player more frustrated than Brian Burns on this team, you know, yeah. and I'm not trying to make a bunch of excuses for him. Like it was, a, it was no. a boneheaded move, you know, to, to, to do something like that and to get thrown out of the game in that, at that juncture, at that time during the games, it, it was an inexcusable, but um, damn, like he's, this team's been through it and, uh, he's obviously one of the best players, if not the best player on the team. And 
uh, you know, he's 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 frustrated with the losing and with the the disrespect of the contract, you know, not getting extended, not getting paid what he feels he deserves to be paid. And I feel like that that all came out in that punch. Yep. Yeah, it uh, did. But hopefully you like got said, it out I, of the system. I get, I get it. But you know, the game is on the line. Like we we yeah. we just can't do that. No. We can't do it. It's stupid. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. It is. Uh, but I you know, I think overall my I think if I had to kind of sum it up for a, like my main takeaway from this game is there were some encouraging encouraging signs from the offense. It was not a complete game that they put together because like we talked about it started off really encouraging but then they kind of reverted back to exactly how the offense has looked under under Frank Reich the entire season with you know with Bryce being in shotgun seemingly every play uh, but then they went back to the well they went back to what had worked towards the end of the game and started running the ball effectively so I, I think that's where that's where this team for the rest of this season the final five or six games however many it is that's where this offense is going to have to live put Bryce we under center to. run the ball downhill with Chuba mix in the play action pass roll Bryce out of the pocket get him get him like you have to protect Bryce with the play calling. Roll mm-hmm. him out of the pocket. Get him out on the move. He looked to me. He looked great in those play in those those types of plays when they got him out of the pocket and he's mm-hmm. able to sort of decide: Do I want to run it here? Do I want to throw it? I think he he excels at that for me. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's that's what this offense is going to have to look like moving forward. I think for Bryce, yeah. like I said, I, I just want him to survive this season mentally because I think. Help is on the way with whoever we hire as head coach and, you know, getting some better talent in the door. But what what I want to see from Bryce uh, the rest of this season, he's going to make more mistakes. That's just going to happen. Um, I just I want to see him push the ball downfield a little bit more like he did at times today. I want to see him take great, some more chances. Great ball to Chark. Great ball to yeah. Chark. Yeah, two, two great balls to mm-hmm. Chark that were, you know, longer down the field passes. Um, And I just, I I don't know if it's because he's gun shy, like we talked about. I don't know if it's the play calling. Um, I don't know if it's a lack of trust in his receivers. It's probably a little bit of both or a little bit of each of those, but I just want to see him take some more chances down the field, like throw, throw some more 50, 50 balls down the field to Chark and Mingo and uh, Strawn, Michael Strawn, all those guys, you know, just Mm -hmm. what, what do we have to lose? (laughs) <laughs> what Not do we have to lose thing. at this point? Another game. Another game. Another game. <laughs> like, yeah. <laughs> like we can't be worried about stats at this point. Like you, you know, we're one and eleven. Just don't worry about throwing interceptions. I would rather you throw. I would rather a ball get intercepted on like a 40, 50 yard shot down the field than a you know five yard dump off pass. You know, in the middle of the field. Yeah. Yeah. Um. Yeah. We. We we have to go to back to kind of what nobody wants us to be right now. Nobody yeah. wants us to be the um, run first and then play action. You know, passing off of that um, kind of what led to our success last year when we were in this exact yeah. same situation. And Steve Wilkes went six and six by 
yeah. running the bleeping ball. And that's what our offensive line is best at. We've been saying that for a while. Mm-hmm. Like it's what our offensive line is good at. They they're good at running the ball. They're not good at uh, you know, blocking for the pass. So right. just run it. We now now that we've stopped giving the ball only to Miles Sanders, and we've seen that uh, Chuba can actually play football, um, you know, let him do his thing. Twenty five rushes, yeah. one hundred and four yards, two touchdowns. Like that's it's not bad, right? Um, you know, so just let him do his thing. That's what that's what Chuba's good at. He's not the best catching back and he's not the best at, you know, uh, pass protection, but the, the dude can put his head down and and run. And he, as you were watching him, he just, he always seems to fall forward. We've talked about this with other running backs in the past, uh, but Chuba just falls forward and he gets you that one or two extra yards each time he touches the ball because he falls forward. We're going to have to do this. We do not have, uh, the the workhorses on the outside are in the slot to be able to get the separation that's necessary. The only way that we're going to be able to move the ball down the field is to to run it, and it also achieves the exact same uh, you know goal of keeping Bryce alive. Exactly. You know, like yeah. we, if we if we can keep just keep Bryce upright. I mean, he was sacked again yeah. four more times today. That's forty four times this season. That he's been sacked. That he's that's not even the the hits and the hurries and right. and whatever else. Yeah. Um, you know, so for me, I, I feel like we from what we saw today, we can see yeah. a path forward. It's just it's gonna be whether you know the team is willing to accept that as the fate for the next, you know, a little over a month, whatever it's gonna be. Um, so anyway, it's gonna be interesting to see how they do it. Uh, it was good. Uh, last couple of things that I wanted to say was, Hey, it was good to see Mingo be a little bit more involved. Um, yeah, he, he made some mistakes, no doubt about it. Uh, he had, he had his fumble and as he, as he was running with that ball in my head, I was screaming, uh, hold on because he had two hands. And then when he broke free, he was like, Oh yeah. Okay. And then he started going off with just the ball in one hand. Um, but it was good to see him um, get six receptions, 69 yards. I'd like to see uh, more of that if we can. But, again, it's going to have to go back to Chuba running the ball, finding Thielen for, uh, you know, some quick less than 10-yard uh, catches. And yeah, we're just going to have to slowly and methodically plod down the field. <laughs> that's, yeah. that's what we're going to have to do. Speaking of Thielen, by the way, that uh, – the last two games, the de- defenses are starting to actually game plan and take him away. I mean, he yeah. he's been relatively quiet the last couple of games because he's the only one they have to take away. I I know it's it's. I mean, like I agree with you though, Mingo. Today today might have been his best game overall. I think it um, was. It was a bit of a mixed bag, but I think mixed overall bag, it was. Yeah, I, I mean, honestly, his stats should have been a little bit better. That that catch, I thought that that was a catch in the first quarter where he I called it. Both of his elbows came down. It looked to me yep. like he had control of the ball. I I really don't understand why they didn't make that a catch. But anyway, know. yeah, I thought Mingo Mingo did pretty well. One other thing that I will say, which to, to piggyback off of what you said about how we need to continue to run with Chuba, you know, even though it's not the it's not the sexiest, you know, style of play. 
to be a run first team, but that's what that's what this team is built to do right now. Well, the the play caller, meaning Thomas Brown, needs to also trust trust that. Like you think about that last offensive possession that resulted in the Bryce interception. We had one we had one yard. We needed one yard and we had two plays to get it. And we called two pass plays in a row. Yeah. When all we needed was was one and to your point, Chuba he falls forward. He gets positive yardage on almost every touch. Mm-hmm. And you go you you run a play action pass you take Chuba off the field and put Miles Sanders in there. Yeah, and then it, I just uh, the from a play calling perspective, I don't understand. I don't understand that. Then you put the pressure on Bryson. Hey, he threw an interception. He threw it late to Thielen. If he would have thrown it a little bit earlier, he probably would have completed the pass. But to me, uh, as a play caller, we shouldn't have even been in that situation. We should have just run the ball and gotten the first down. Anyway. Um, on to next week. Uh, hopefully next week will be a little bit better. We need to talk about, we need to talk about Frank Reich, don't we? Cause we didn't have an episode last week. Uh, so we haven't had a chance to really go back and forth on this. Um, Frank Reich after just 11 games is out as we all know. Um, so, you know, not even, not even a one and done. It's more like a three quarters and done. Um, he becomes the first head coach in NFL history to be fired in back to back seasons. Uh, where are you at? Did you did you like it? Did you like the decision? Did you think that it was too soon? Did you agree with it? What do you think? Uh, I mean, you know, for me, I. Th- <laughs> It's so hard not being, you know, in those in those rooms, right? Because yeah. there are conversations being had that we have no idea about. Um, I don't think that anything was going to change if he stayed. We weren't going to get any better, so you know, there was nothing that was going to be gained for uh, him staying here. It, it was not like we're on the precipice of something great, <laughs> uh, you know, and we needed him to kind of see it through. Yeah. So I think that quite quite frankly, if he stayed, if he went, I don't think it matters all that much. I think if he leaves, then we now have the opportunity to see what our coordinators will do left, you know, relatively to their own devices. Yeah. Um, you know, Campen is not interested in being a head coach. It's not like he's trying to springboard from this into keeping the job or somewhere else. Oh, Tabor. Um, Chris Tabor. Tabor. Sorry. My apologies. No. Um yeah, so Tabor, like he, he's not interested in in the actual like head coaching job itself, which is I think why it made it sense to to give him that. But it gives it the opportunity for us to see what the coordinators would do, and yeah. you know, give the people internally there to uh, the opportunity to um, see what the future might look like um with the people that you know the coaches that we've brought in yeah even though reich is not here anymore that doesn't mean that the coaches that came in are bad um and so give the give the oc and the dc an opportunity to um stake their claim to you know that they do know what they're doing and they can yeah. they can provide results you know evero has the defense has looked pretty darn good all year he doesn't have anything that he has to prove but 
not the same on the offensive side of the ball. So yeah. I think it gives us the opportunity to to see who else we already have. Hopefully we use it as an opportunity to see some of the other players that we may not have seen uh, quite as much and give them the opportunities. Um, but I don't know. Did I want to see it happen? No, not really. He seems like a good guy. I never want to see anybody lose their job. Uh, but I, I understand it. However, he'll be okay. He, he, yeah, listen, he, he's not going <laughs> to have to work again. He will be just fine. We are oh, yeah. paying something like $80 million to coaches no longer on our team or something stupid. Yeah. Which is just a ridiculous stat. Um, but I, I think that um, it, while I don't want to see him lose his job, he wasn't going to be in it. He wasn't going to be in it long term. And, you know, there's some benefits that can come with this. I think that yeah. Tepper making this decision now has probably shot himself in the foot, though. Um, if I was interested in a head coaching job, I don't know that I would I would take this interview um, with the Panthers. I don't want to work for a guy who has has had, you know, whatever it is, six head coaches or something, including the interims since he took the, the team over. Yeah. Um, I, I don't want to come into that environment. I don't want to come into an environment and we'll get into this, I think here in just, just a few minutes, but I don't want to get into the environment where I'm not confident that the GM is going to be there. Yeah. Um, and so I, it's not a, it's not a job that I would touch with a 10 foot pole. And unfortunately that, perception has been created by the way that Tepper has handled these last few seasons. Um, you know, you saw Steve Wilkes come in and do a good job. Well, Hey, what's to say that if I come in as a, as a new head coach and I, I do better than the person that was there last year, I go six and six, I go 500 record, whatever that I'm not going to have my job anymore. Yeah. Like, like screw that. You know, mm -hmm. it's not, it's not going to happen. What we saw is, uh, a, a really good quarterback in Bryce Young come into a shitty situation and not succeed mm -hmm. and flounder. And the same exact thing can happen with a head coach when they come into a shitty situation without the stability and they will flounder. And once you have this mark of, I tried to be a head coach and it didn't go very well and I got fired, that's now a scarlet letter that you carry around with you right. when you are interviewing for jobs. Right. So, all of that to say, do I care one way or the other necessarily for Frank Reich or the rest of the season this year? Not necessarily, but I do yeah. think that we've we've increased the level of difficulty to attract top-level talent, um, and that's both on the player side of things as well as on the coaching side of things. Mm -hmm. I think it was short-sighted. I don't know whether it was the right or wrong move, but I do know that he's made it more difficult moving forward. What do you think? Yeah, it's a it's a tough one. I lean towards it's not that I it's not that I totally disagree with you that um, Tepper doing this in the middle of the season is going to have you know potentially a little bit of a negative impact on you know the next coaching candidates and who w will or will will not want to come here. It's not that yeah. I totally disagree with that sentiment, but um, I don't think. I think it was pretty blatantly clear that um, it wasn't working with Frank mm -hmm. Reich. 
And uh, like, like we, like we always say, like, we're not in the building. We're not in those meetings. We don't know kind of what the relationships are. We don't know what conversations are being had, um, all that stuff. And some of the things that have come out uh, since Frank Reich was fired are kind of interesting. I've, I've heard that uh, as the season went along, his grip uh, on the play calling and on the playbook only continued to get tighter and tighter. Uh, even when Thomas Brown was calling plays for those three games, I think it was it, what I saw reported was that even when he was calling plays, it was like a limited, like there were some things he was allowed to do and some things he wasn't allowed to do. Mm -hmm. Um, Frank Reich's, uh, Frank Reich's offense is known for being stagnant Mm -hmm. and, you know, no pre-snap, not a lot of pre-snap motion, you know, they they weren't they weren't putting Bryce under center. They weren't running play action. He was essentially doing almost nothing to help his rookie quarterback succeed. Mm-hmm. And so I, I I look at that type of thing and I'm like, huh, well, that kind of alters my opinion a little bit, if that is the case on on Frank Reich. Then I look at, you know, up to this up to the point where Frank Reich was fired. You know, when when we were kind of unsure about him, we we're like, is he mm-hmm. going to be here long term? Is he not? Um, one of the things that I ke- that I kind of clung to uh, in when it comes to like, if I were to form a defense in favor of keeping Frank Reich, one of the things that I kept thinking was, well, if it wasn't for Frank Reich, we wouldn't have this this all star roster of coaches. You know, mm-hmm. Frank Reich is the reason that a lot of these guys came in. Um, it's also David Tepper's, you know, pocketbook. He he mm-hmm. shelled out the money to bring these guys in too. Yep. But that was what I clung to was like, well, if Frank Reich weren't here, would Thomas Brown be here? Would Ejiro Evero be here? Probably he would. But would 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 Josh McCown be here? Would Deuce Staley be here? Well, now. Not only is Frank Wright gone, but they follow that up with Josh McCown and Deuce Staley being fired. So then that makes me think, well, man, what what it what was going on in that building? I mm-hmm. mean, there was obviously something that wasn't sitting well. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, it's it's maybe it was too many cooks in the kitchen. That's what that's something else I've heard. Like maybe they wanted to limit the number of voices in Bryce Young's ear. I don't regardless yeah. of what the reason was one of the thing the thing that like that I was clinging to that gave me any level of kind of confidence in in Frank Reich as as a hire was the fact that he was able to bring these other guys with him and now half of those guys are out the door and they're gone and I just yeah. think I, I just think that while I don't again while I don't totally disagree with you that like doing it this prematurely like mid-season firing Frank Reich that that's going to maybe have some negative impact on the thought process of the the guys that come and interview for this job I do think that this is still going to be an attractive job because this is cliche to say this but it is one of 32 it is one of 32 head coach jobs now there are good there are good head coach positions and there are bad head coach positions. And this would probably be put in the not so good category. 
based mm-hmm. on all these factors, but you are still getting an opportunity to come, you know, be the head honcho for, you know, a team, uh, an organization that has had some success in the past. You have, it's going to have to be somebody who believes that they can get the most out of Bryce Young. And I believe that there are going to be quite a few coaches that will want to work with Bryce Young and think that they see the good things that are on tape and they know the type of player that he is. Um, because we've talked about it. Like this is not, this is the, the reality is pre-draft for a lot of coaches and a lot of teams. Bryce Young was considered the QB one over Stroud. I, yes. That was the prevailing that, opinion. Exactly. It's we're, that's not, we're not making that up. Like that was the situation. No. Um, yeah. Now, obviously that has no bearing on what actually happens once the games start. And we, and CJ Stroud has been amazing. But he's in a different situation. We're not going to get into that. But uh, my point is there will be people, there will be coaches that feel like they want the opportunity to work with Bryce Young. It's going to have to be somebody who sees that. And then you look at, I mean, we have some pieces on defense. You know, we have some a few guys. Uh, I would put Brian Burns, Derek Brown, Frankie Louvu in that category of like, cornerstone pieces on the defense you could potentially throw jc horn in there i'm not going to do that because he just he has to prove that he can stay healthy first Mm -hmm. before he can be considered but anyway there's some pieces on the team i understand there's no first round pick next year that sucks a lot but we still have draft picks we have a first round pick the following year um, so I, I do think we'll still be able to track, attract some, some guys, but I, I think ultimately, um, I'm in favor of the decision to move on from Frank Reich and just cut bait. If you know, something's not working, it's better to, I don't know the official saying what it is, but it, essentially it's better to, um, you know, if you know, something's not working to, to end it sooner, uh, too soon than too late, essentially. Yeah, I think uh, this is, and this is the last thing that I had really to say on on this. But I believe that Reich and Tepper have made the same fatal mistake. In the upper level leadership, what you want to do, as as the leader of, you know, high level people, is hire the best people that you can mm-hmm. and get out of their fucking way. Yeah, literally, <laughs> seriously, yeah. Just hire the best people you can. And let them do what they're best at, which yeah. is better than you are. Yeah. And we've seen Tepper do the same thing. All the reports are coming out of him meddling in high-level you know, decisions with player personnel and whatever else. And then Reich doing the same thing. You brought in this you know, young OC who's supposed to be exciting and do things and innovative and brilliant. And then you put him in, you know, you you dictate that he runs an offense from 1990s. And it's just not done that way anymore. So both of them have committed the same sin mm-hmm. in trying to control things, hire the right people, let them be brilliant, let them make you look good, and you do everything that you have to to break down enough barriers so that they can shine. Because when yeah. they do, you're going to. Unfortunately for the fan base, only one of Frank or Tepper can be fired. 
right? Each one. Yeah. And so until until Tepper decides to put the right people in place and then stay out of their way, we're going to continue to have these conversations. And yep. we need he needs to do that. He needs to get the head coach that he believes in to put in place. And that head coach needs to make sure that we have the personnel as well as the coordinators and everybody else to further what the vision of that is. But until until yep. that happens, we're going to continue to be banging our head against the wall and frustrated as a fan base and as an organization that for some reason we just don't seem to see the same success that other teams do. Yeah, so you make a good point, and my next question to you would be, uh, when we do bring this new head coach in, uh, who are they going to be working alongside from a general manager perspective? I mean, um, I think it's I think it's pretty clear at this point that Scott Fitterer is not going to get fired during the season. I, I think that. I've seen a lot of people say this, and I kind of agree. I don't think that there's really any benefit to to firing your GM in the middle of the season. Um, mm-hmm. So I think he'll definitely be here throughout until the season ends. But we're pretty pre- getting pretty close to that, just a few weeks away. Um, do you think that he deserves to be fired, and do you think that he will get the axe? Yes, to both of them. Yes, to both. Okay. I think I mean he yes he needs to be fired. It's a performance business. The team that he structured and uh was the architect for and put together uh is not good. In fact, it's way worse than anybody thought that it was going to. And somebody's got to pay for his sins. <laughs> that's that's the long and short of it. Is somebody is going to have to be held accountable for the personnel decisions. Wright can be held accountable for the plays on the field, what was called, yeah. uh, you know, who's what what players are playing, like playing Sanders forever, <laughs> uh, you know, uh, until giving true. But like the Wright can be held accountable for those things. But Fitterer has to be held accountable for the decisions that were made, who we're bringing in, deals that were made, yeah, whatever you want to look at. He has to be held accountable. Um, somebody, somebody needs to be out of a job and he is the one that makes sense. You know, Dan Morgan, uh, you know, we saw some of him in the Panthers confidential, um, you know, productions that they'd put together for the uh, leading up to the draft and whatnot. I'm sure he'll be gone. You know, anybody who, anybody who's, you know, painted is, is not going to have a job. And I'm not saying it should be a different way, but there are going to be people that are guilty by association. For sure. Um, You know, what I think is going to be the most interesting thing is the order in which all of this happens, whether, uh, whether Tepper is going to want to hire the GM so that kind of leads from the top down or whether Mm -hmm. he's going to try to, you know, take advantage of a head coaching, uh, higher opportunity, um, you know, before other teams, you know, fire all their coaches on Black Monday type thing. So it's going to be right. interesting to see how how that all goes, um, what order it happens in, and then who kind of gets a say in, um, you know, the next steps and the direction that we move forward, both in the short term, the interim, and in the long term. Yeah, that's uh, it's that is going to be interesting to see, kind of 
the process and the sequence of things. Um, I've seen some interesting points people have made. Uh, if we Scott, if, so if we if we fire Scott Fitterer, and you know we're able to do a clean slate, you know, bring in a new head coach, new GM together, which we've never done. It's always it's always been the flip flop. It's always been hey, let's fire Ron Rivera, but keep Herney. Fire Herney, uh, uh, or no, bring in Matt Rule. Fire Herney. Bring in Scott Fitterer. Fire Reich. Leave Fitterer in. I think. To your point earlier, this is not going to be the most the most attractive job out there because mm-hmm. there's going to be several other teams that are looking for new head coaches too. Well, it might be a little bit more attractive or a lot more attractive if the new head coach has the assurances that they're going to be able to come in with a with a new regime, new general manager, new thought process. Um and one thing that I've seen kind of floating around there, and I'm sure there's going to be a ton of different candidates for both the head coach position and the general manager position. And I'm sure in the off season, you and I will have a bunch of discussions and you know, interesting conversations about that. But one thing that I've seen floating around there that kind of was interesting to me, I don't even know if this is going to be a real possibility, was the San Francisco 49ers assistant general manager. His name is Adam Peters. He apparently was, I don't know if he actually interviewed with us or not, but apparently he was like one of the options when we did hire Scott Fitterer. He was one of those guys that was sort of on the list of potential guys that could come Mm -hmm. in for the Panthers. We hired Scott Fitterer instead. But one of the young offensive-minded coaches that, names that's been thrown around as a potential head coach candidate for the Panthers is Bobby Slowick, who is the offensive coordinator for CJ Stroud and the Houston Texans. Mm -hmm. He came from San Francisco. So he and the the 49ers assistant GM have a relationship already. Mm -hmm. Bobby Slowick with how good CJ Stroud has looked and how good that Texans offense has looked this season. Bobby Slowick is going to get several head coach interviews next year. Mm-hmm. That's That's been reported, and that's definitely going to be the case. What if we were able to do a clean slate, bring in, hey, let's bring Bobby Slowick in. Hey, hey, Bobby, we're also going to bring in, uh, we could we could potentially bring in Adam Peters, your old friend from San Francisco, you know, and start fresh over here in Carolina. Mm-hmm. So those types of things really intrigue me. Uh, but back to the Scott Fitter of it all, um, I, I agree with you. Like he's got, he, he, he has to get the ax, right? I mean, some of the decisions that he's made or not made, you go back to last year. I, I think the decision to not trade Brian Burns for two first round picks is going to look like a kind of an all time terrible decision, terrible call. Because, yeah. Uh, and then we had a chance to trade. We could have traded him this year too. Now, granted, it probably wasn't for for two first round picks, but um, we we didn't capitalize on that. Um, the the roster that he constructed this year, it's just not good enough. Obviously, they thought that it. They thought genuinely, I guess, that it would have been, but just the lack of talent on this offense and the offensive line, and then trying to 
bring uh, you know bringing a coach in and, and Frank Reich and trying to run a scheme that doesn't even match up with the skill set of the players of like especially the offensive line. It doesn't look good, and um, I just think it, it it makes you question. It's gotten so bad with with Scott Fitterer, the confidence level from a from the fan base's standpoint that people don't even trust like going into next next year, going into next year's draft. People don't even trust that this this regime can can make good draft picks anymore. I mean, well, and that's yeah, and the reason why is because <clears throat> what we talked about two weeks ago when Fitterer. Um, you know, the, the ultimate sin is not that Fitterer put this um, roster together. Right. The ultimate sin is that he thought it was good enough to win. Exactly. That's the, that's it. The talent and evaluation. When he when he says that we, this team is good enough for us to be able to go do all these things. Yeah. And he was as wrong as he has been, <laughs> which. <laughs> So I didn't wrong. know you could be that wrong. Yeah. Um, but he but he he has again when you, new levels of wrong. Yeah, when you've when you're in that situation, there's there's not any coming back from it with the current organization. There's not. And there's going to be probably some coming back with it, you know, from it um, you know, somewhere, but it's not gonna be here next year. He will not be our GM next year. Yeah, just the talent evaluation. And I mean, if you just look at this year's draft, you know, we we trade up to number one. I'm still glad that we have Bryce Young, but you have to question at this point with how bad this team has been and how things have played out. I mean, correct me if I'm wrong or or if you disagree, let me know, but I mean, at this point, you have to also lump in the decision to trade up to one and give up everything that we gave up. Was that the right decision? It's looking like no right now. But a couple years from now, if Bryce Young, if Bryce Young turns out to be fantastic, we get a new head coach in here, some better talent, and Bryce turns out to look great, well, then no one will care about that decision. Yeah, but yeah, but here's the thing: like hindsight's always twenty twenty. It is, but I'm saying like you, you, you. Whether or not you lump that the decision to trade up to one in as like, you know, another decision in the rolodex of bad decisions for Scott Fitter, even mm-hmm. take that one out of it. Just looking at from a talent evaluation standpoint, you draft Jonathan Mingo in the second round. When you look at some of the some of the players. Um, not just receivers, but some of the players that were drafted behind him. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's it's almost egregious. It's just an egregious error, it seems like. I mean, it, but let's just look at receivers. I mean, Tank Dell was drafted behind Mingo. Josh Downs from the Colts was drafted behind Mingo. Um, there's several, several other receivers. And yeah. then you then you look at the the DJ Johnson pick. And we traded up to go draft a guy that's he's already 25 years old. And th- his production in college wasn't really anything to write home about. And but they saw him, they thought that he had like the tools to succeed in a Giro Evero's defense. Mm-hmm. And he we barely even heard his name. 
this season. He's been a healthy scratch for half the games. Mm-hmm. And it's just it's hard to have any level of trust in Scott Fitterer and Dan Morgan and everybody who works for Scott Fitterer, essentially, at this point, yep. you know? Yep, it's all tainted. Um, he's he's not gonna be our GM next year. Um, we're gonna have a lot of we're gonna have a lot of holes to fill. And yep. hopefully we have a good enough reputation um that we can talk people into it. I don't know. Do you think um moving on from Scott Fitter, do you think that uh we have a chance to beat the Saints next week? What do you put our chances at? I think we had a better chance of winning today. <laughs> mm. uh, I yeah. actually watched some of the Saints game today. Uh, I had Kamara on a fantasy team, so I was invested in his success. Uh, so I watched some <laughs> yeah. of it. And, um, you know, David Carr is out. Uh, Jameis Winston came in and finished the yeah. game. That's right. Um, so it'll be interesting to see how what, what that looks like moving into this next week. Yeah. Uh, Taysom Hill and, and every all the uncertainty that comes along with who's going to be under center for them. So I I think it's going to be tough. Do I think it's doable? I actually kind of do, but I think that we had a better chance of winning today than we will uh, this coming week. Yeah, I, um, I think we have a chance. I think if we can do what we talked about, if they can, if they can control the clock, uh, establish the run, kind of do the game plan, execute the game plan that that they did in the first quarter and the fourth quarter against the Buccaneers where they've got the downhill running attack and the play action off of that and getting Bryce out of the pocket a little bit more and you know Bryce maybe taking a couple of shots down the field more more so than he usually does. I think that we have a chance. Um I definitely feel better about our chances with uh Jameis Winston playing quarterback than I would mm-hmm. e- even though Derek Carr doesn't scare anyone. Um, I I do think Jameis Winston's usually good for a couple turnovers, uh, Mm -hmm. turnover worthy passes. I saw one today where he, he, uh, it was one of his first throws after he came in for Derek Carr. And it was just like a typical Jameis Winston type of play where it's like either a turnover or like a really big play. (laughs) It's like nothing in between. Mm -hmm. And he took a, you know, pretty, uh, threw a long ball out to the, left and ball gets tipped right into the hands of Chris Olave. It's mm-hmm. like a 50 yard gain down the field. And I'm just like, oh, that, that's classic Jameis, classic Jameis. Yep. Yeah, uh, I it, watched it, that live. I know exactly the play that you're yeah. talking about. And it's like, that's it. Wild. It's it's there's nothing in between. It's either like turnover worthy ball or like a explosive play. <laughs> it's chaotic. It's either going to be really good or really bad. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, but um, it'll be, It'll be good. to. I mean, I hope we get a win. I would love to see this team win. It obviously doesn't matter that much at this point, but for just for the confidence level um, of Bryce and the rest mm-hmm. of those guys, like we said, I just want Bryce to survive this season. This season is a punt. Uh, you know, it's mostly just, hey, we're going to throw this in the trash and move on to yep. year two for Bryce. But yep. I, I, I just – that here's what I'll say. That moment today – that moment where he ran the two point conversion in and did his little pirouette spin move into the end zone and kind of celebrated a little bit. I want to see more of that next week. Mm-hmm. I want to see him having fun. I want to see everyone having fun. Yep. So we'll leave it at that. Anything else on your end? 
Uh, no, but I will say that seeing him do that, um, you know, going into the end zone, I, I hesitate to bring this up because I don't want us to go down another 10 minute rabbit hole, <laughs> but the, the swag that comes along with doing that looked like Cam Newton. It, it looked like something Newton would, would have done after that exact same run. He would have jumped up. He'd have done his little flip, you know, uh-huh. with the ball thing. He'd have gone and thrown it up into the stadium stands. Yep. Uh, but it 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 had it had shades of it, totally hey. different build, totally different player, but the swagger of it yes. had shades of what I we like have it. seen. So I I'm just gonna throw that into the universe. Universe, do what you want to with it. I like <laughs> it, and this does. It's not gonna turn into a 10 minute uh, discussion, but I agree. Like we need to those guys. They need to have fun. A, they need to remember. It's a game. It's, it's a literally game, a man. game. And I know it's not like it's hard to have fun when you're getting knocked on your ass yes, every other drop back. Of course it is. But we saw last game against the Titans, you saw Bryce uh, run for a first down and he did the little point celebration after he mm-hmm. ran. That was kind of Cam Cam Newton-esque. Then today we score, we go down, <laughs> score the <laughs> touchdown. Chuba Hubbard runs it in. Bryce, again, does the little point to the sidelines then he does the pirouette thing. So we're seeing these little rays of sunshine shine through little glimpses come through of like the confidence and just the, the the having fun with playing football again. Um, That's what, that is what I want to see these last few games. I want to see those guys play loose. I want to see them have fun. And I want to see a little bit more Cam Newton in Bryce Young's, uh, you know, confidence level. And celebration. That would be great. I'd be happy to see it. <laughs> Me too. Happy to see it. All right. Well, that's it for today's episode. Thanks so much for listening on your favorite podcast platform, everybody, or for watching on YouTube. We will be back later this week following the Panthers Saints game. Hang in there, everybody. It's tough right now. But maybe we'll get a win next week. We'll see what happens. Have a great week. And until then, keep purring and keep pounding.